The Graphic Histories Podcast. Welcome back to the Graphic Histories Podcast. A big thank you to Ookla the Mock for our theme song, Superpowers. Love that song. Love hearing it every time we boot up an episode. So thank you, Rand and the gang, for providing that for us. Uh, my name is Andre Myatt. I am here once again with you. And uh, yeah, things are going well in this uh, coronavirus world in which we live. A recent development, which is exciting and interesting to me, is that there's been a skyrocket in Bane masks uh, happening right now across the world due to the need to wear a mask to protect yourself and others during this pandemic. I find it interesting that Bane is the choice of, uh, of mask, uh, especially being uh, predominantly, I believe, the type of mask people are wearing are the Bane mask from The Dark Knight Rises, the Tom Hardy version of Bane, which is sort of the just the, the mouth-covering part, which is interesting, especially since, you know, that character had a very sort of anti-establishment bend, which seems to be a uh, motif going on right now in the world. People rallying against these sort of uh, these stay-at-home orders and and the self-quarantine, saying that the, you know, the society should be open, people should be able to go do what they please, you know, freedom, blah blah blah. When in the end, it's uh, it's sad. It's sad to me that people can't stay home, can't work within a new normal for a little while to help others. It's uh, selfish and short-sighted, in my opinion, that some folks are using terms like uh, violating freedoms to describe what in the end is just a basic kindness we could all do to try to help those of us that can't survive going through this virus. And evidence shows that perfectly healthy people, young, healthy people do die from this as well. So it's not just the infirmed or the weak or the elderly that, that we're protecting. It's kind of everybody. So, uh, you know, have a little humanity, perhaps. Uh, new interesting information coming out in the comic book world right now is that uh, Ruby Rose, who is playing Batwoman on the TV show, has is leaving the show, not returning for season two. A uh, little conf- few conflicting reports on whether it's something she wanted to do, or if it's something they wanted her to do, or if it's some combination of the two. Uh, they're going to have to recast the role for the next season. A lot of interesting names have been thrown around. Uh, one of them I can't. The actress's name is failing me right now. Beatrice something from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, that plays Rose on that show. She she's thrown her hat in the ring for wanting that role. I think she'd be a great choice. She's a fantastic actress, and uh, it'd be really cool to see her in a different role because I predominantly only have seen her in Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, briefly on Modern Family. I believe she played Gloria's sister on that show as well. But she would be a good choice. Something very interesting to to keep track of in the future. Uh, as far as things going on in the other big thing going on right now in the comic book world, or at least the uh, film and television version of the comic book world is that 
the Snyder Cut is being released for, through HBO Max. The people have been rallying and crying and demanding the Zack Snyder version of the Justice League film get released. And it looks like that indeed will be happening. Personally, I was not a big fan of Snyder's DC Universe films. I thought, I think Superman is a character that embodies hope. And I feel like Snyder's films are just dark and sad and kind of hopeless in in a way. I understand he's going for gritty realism, but that's not necessarily what I'm looking for in my superhero films, especially not my Superman films, uh, especially since that character is supposed to kind of be a, a beacon of, of justice and truth and, and virtue, and um, Snyder's version of it was just sort of a sad, emo uh, version of the character that sort of is devoid of a lot of hope, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, but that's what it is. Also, Batman vs. Superman was horrible, uh, as far as films go, in my opinion. It was a convoluted mess that falls apart if you put any kind of thought into any part of it. Uh, the Just League movie, I actually enjoyed the Joss Whedon version of it. I wouldn't say it was like the best thing ever, but it certainly brought a tone to those to the story that I w- was missing, especially their version of Superman. I was kind of hoping Joss Whedon would get to go on to do his own Superman film, and I might get a closer version of the character to what I feel like is a proper representation of the Man of Steel. But uh, people have cried, they've whined, they've demanded and uh, HBO Max is going to provide. So if you like your superhero movies dark, depressing, broody, and steeped in sadness, then get ready for another two-and-a-half-hour version of that because Zack Snyder's HBO cut... Or, sorry, Zack Snyder's (laughs) cut of Justice League is coming to HBO Max. So today's episode is dealing with Modoc, a long-standing and very recognizable Marvel villain. Uh, Ed Brisson and I talked at length about him as him being a favored of both of ours in the comic book world, so we thought, why not make Modoc the subject of this week's episode? Modoc first appeared in 1967 in a cameo appearance in Tales of Suspense, number 93, making his full appearance in the following ep- issue, Tales of Suspense, number 94. It's created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So... Interesting character, interesting history. Um, I'm sure if you're a fan of comics, you already know what he looks like. And if you're just tuning into this podcast, give him a quick Google search, give him a look. He's a very um, recognizable character and one that I'm certainly interested to talk about today. Uh, Patton Oswalt will be voicing him in a new animated series coming out for Hulu, which is interesting. I love Patton Oswalt. His new special on Netflix just came out. Uh, I was listening to it this morning while doing uh, some cardio in my basement, and it is fun, really fun. If you like his sort of comedy, his brand, which is definitely up my alley, you will certainly like the new special. So without any further ado, let's get right into episode number four of the Graphic Histories podcast, MODOK. A secret organization named Advanced Idea Mechanics, or AIM for short, had a long history of plaguing the Marvel Universe with evil intentions and deadly schemes. Little did they realize that one particular jaunt into human experimentation would create one of the most recognizable and long-lasting villains to ever appear in the history of their world. After creating the Cosmic Cube, a device sought after far and wide for its reality-warping abilities, they recruited one of their own by the name of George Tartleton for a new kind of procedure. 
Using mutagenics, they enhanced his physiology, turning him into a being they dubbed MODOC, M-O-D-O-C, an acronym meaning mental organism designed only for computing. In doing so, they hoped to use his enhanced mental abilities to properly study the cube and his powers. With unbridled power at his fingertips and a newly warped mind, MODOK killed his creators and redubbed his acronym to stand for Mental Organism Designed Only for Killing, thus changing the spelling of his name to M-O-D-O-K. Now in control of the AIM Empire, he quickly came into contact with Captain America, a frequent enemy of advanced idea mechanics. This time, Steve Rogers was attempting to rescue S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Sharon Carter when he encountered his peculiar new foe. This began a long history of battles between Captain America and MODOK. Usually seeking to expand his power, he also came into conflict with Namor the Submariner and the nefarious Doctor Doom, the latter seeking to acquire the Cosmic Cube itself. After these brief encounters, MODOK seemed to turn his attention to the extermination of metahumans, targeting the Incredible Hulk. Kidnapping Bruce Banner's love interest, Betty Ross, MODOK used similar mutagenics from his own creation to transform her into a mutant known as the Harpy. Using the superior intellect of his alter ego, Dr. Banner, the Hulk managed to cure Ross of her conditioning, returning her to human form. While doing so, the couple were pursued by the agents of AIM and their leader to a mysterious floating Airy. The Airy being the home of a long extinct avian race that was a subspecies of the Inhumans. Though they were gone, they left behind an android protector that still functioned, known as Bi-Beast. When MODOK and his minions arrived, they did battle with Bi-Beast, managing to destroy the Guardian, but not before the Beast activated a self-destruct mechanism, destroying the island and forcing a hasty retreat. After this event, MODOK was recruited by an interdimensional being known as the Black Llama to participate in a contest called War of the Supervillains. Llama, the ruler of an entire planet in need of a powerful warrior to defend their homeworld, had hoped to have the winner of the competition be that champion. During the event, MODOK was defeated by Iron Man, taking him out of the running and denying him the ultimate prize. With an abundance of entanglements with the superhero community under his belt, MODOK's subordinates at AIM became dissatisfied with their leader. An organization built on scientific accomplishments, they took umbrage with their commander's obsession with costume do-gooders. The organization removed MODOK from power, creating an even more obsessive version of their creation. Attempting to prove his worth and regain what he had lost, MODOK planned to release a nerve agent across New York City, but was foiled by Ms. Marvel and the Vision. Once again overcome with a need for vengeance against the superhero, MODOK targeted Ms. Marvel with a plot to mind control the hero. Not wanting to take any chances, he also sent an alien assassin of the Shi'ar Empire named Deathbird to eliminate her as well. Overcoming both attacks, Marvel managed to defeat her would-be killer and the creature that hired her. Now more eager than ever to prove his worth, MODOK increased his ambition and his goals, this time seeking world domination. He was quickly dispatched by Iron Man and the makeshift group of heroes known as the Champions. Moving on from that defeat, the subject of today's story went on to invade the Savage Land, a lost continent of prehistoric creatures, hoping to steal a natural resource native to the area. In another stroke of bad luck, this time he encountered the Hulk and Kazar, leading to his plans once again failing to come to fruition. Turning once again to America, this time Moda created a deadly biological weapon known as Virus X. In an attempt to test its destructive capabilities, he went about trying to expose the homeless of New York City to his creation. At this time, he drew the attention of the Thing, Namor, and Captain America, who prevented his deadly pathogen from mass exposure. The former head of AIM managed to escape, but not before nearly killing the Thing with a dose of Virus X. 
Still shunned by AIM for his multiple failures, MODOK used his evil genius to revive deceased Hulk enemy, the Abomination, hoping to use the Behemoth to attack his former organization. Rendered mentally unstable from his resurrection, the Abomination turned on his savior, ending yet another dastardly scheme. During this event, however, MODOK transformed Dr. Catherine Waynesboro into another example of mad science gone wrong. This time he created Ms. MODOK, a female version of himself. Similar to the Bride of Frankenstein, Dr. Waynesboro was horrified at what she had become and demanded to be returned to her previous form, with a heartbroken creator fulfilling her wish. Left alone once again, AIM targeted their former leader for extermination as they wanted to end their association with their creation, a being that seemed to only invite failure. Hiring the Serpent Society to remove this black spot from their name, advanced idea mechanics were elated when the Serpentine Scoundrels succeeded in their mission. Delivering the body to AIM, the agents there used it as a vacant supercomputer before a rogue member took control of the body through a remote operation. This mindless weapon was eventually destroyed by Iron Man, effectively erasing all traces of MODOK in mind and body. With MODOK gone, AIM decided to attempt the experiment once again, this time creating the mental organism designed for aggressive maneuvers, or MODAM for short. This new creation being a female, it proved to be a more loyal and effective addition to the scientific group. The partnership remaining solid, Advanced Idea Mechanics was faced with a dilemma when they required MODOK's expertise regarding the creation of another cosmic cube. Left with no other choice, the group decided to resurrect their fallen leader. While attempting to complete this project, MODAM was lost, and MODOK is stranded in an alternative dimension. Befriending a group known as the Headman, he eventually returns to his home reality and once again becomes a leader of AIM after betraying his newfound allies. Going on to battle Canadian Super Team Alpha Flight, he is then captured by a group comprised of a drug cartel and the U.S. Naval Intelligence Bureau. This alliance proceeds to lobotomize MODOK, using their new slave to use spy satellites to manipulate the stock market. Eventually regenerating from the procedure, he uses the situation to his advantage for a time before he is captured by S.H.I.E.L.D. Escaping his imprisonment, and with the aid of AIM, MODOK battled renowned spy Dum Dum Duggan and S.H.I.E.L.D., but was defeated by the Great Lake Avenger Squirrel Girl, a hero surprisingly powerful despite her deceptive name and appearance. Recovering from that defeat, MODOK sought a sample of a cybernetic alien species known as the Phalanx, and while doing so, encountered the X-Men and then Ms. Marvel and her fellow Avenger Wonder Man. After these encounters, a splinter group from AIM attempted to kill MODOK once again, with the leader of the insurrection being a long-lost son of MODOK's, embittered at his abandonment by his father. Surviving the attacker, Subject then became once again involved with superheroes, this time trying his hand at creating them. Forming a group with other supervillains of superior intellect known as the Intelligentsia, MODOK perfected a device known as the Cathexis Ray, capable of transferring radiant energy from one subject to another. Using this ability, combined with other processes, he created the Red Hulk and the Red She-Hulk in a campaign to plague the original Hulk. Using the raid, the Intelligentsia managed to transform many of the world's superheroes into hulked-out versions of themselves, imbuing them with Banner's gamma radiation. An unforeseen side effect of the ray enhanced the abilities of Amadeus Cho, a genius sidekick of Bruce Banner's. Opening his mind to the point he could warp reality itself, Cho used this power to revert MODOK back to his original form of George Tarleton. Now powerless and with no memories of his life as an evil supervillain, George was apprehended by the U.S. government and imprisoned. He was contacted by Bruce Banner a few times to help in stopping contingency plans that MODOK had put in place in the event of his defeat, but was unable to recall those plans 
George was very little help. The previously mentioned contingency plans left by Modoc were in fact merely a smokescreen to hide the true master plan of Ames' leader. A group of brains cloned from Modoc himself were acting as a sentient supercomputer, pulling the strings of global events. Upon their discovery by the Red Hulk, the organs were subsequently destroyed, stopping the doomsday plans in their tracks. In a true stroke of genius, however, one of the brains was left disconnected from the group and allowed to develop, being imprinted with the memories of Modoc. Given a new body and a new lease on life, this new creation, dubbed Modoc Superior, emerged free of the self-imposed weaknesses of its previous form. Returning to the Intelligentsia, Modoc Superior captured the body of a fallen space knight that had crashed to Earth. When the Avengers became involved, the vessel was revealed to actually contain the mind of robotic villain Ultron. This revelation ending in a colossal battle where Modoc is dispatched by Thor. Perhaps bearing a grudge, he became involved in an event known as Fear Itself, when Thor battled the long-lost uncle from Asgard with evil inclinations. In a truly odd turn of events, Modoc briefly fights against the Serpent God alongside the Force of Good. Not letting a small turn to the side of good get in the way of his evil schemes, Modoc went on to attempt to assassinate an aimed turncoat, coming into conflict with Scarlet Witch, Ms. Marvel, and Spider-Woman. Recovering from those events, he even struck up a small truce with S.H.I.E.L.D. to stop a rogue AIM leader by the name of Andrew Forson. Having a change of heart and contemplating retirement, Modoc Superior created a group of assassins called the Agents of Modoc, which was yet another acronym, this time standing for Mercenary Organization Dedicated Only to Killing, where they only targeted villains. Under this directive, he hired Gwenpool, an alternate version of former Spider-Man girlfriend Gwen Stacy, this version a mash above herself in Deadpool. Discovering Gwen had deceived him by taking credit for another assassin's kills and that she had no actual superpowers of her own, he attempted to destroy her. Defending herself, Gwen managed to injure Modoc's eye and send him into space with damaged equipment, preventing a hasty return. Miss Stacy then went on to lead the group for a short time before it disbanded. Returning to Earth eventually, he tangled with Deadpool after attempting to capture Wade Wilson's wife, a vampire named Shikla. During the fracas, Deadpool stole Modoc's flying device, prompting the villain to vow revenge. Staying out of the public eye for a time, Modoc eventually returned in a surprisingly unexpected way, appearing as a handsome, long-haired man named Brodoc, standing for bio-robotic organism designed overwhelmingly for kissing. The former villain now claimed to be fully reformed. This, of course, turned out to be a ruse as he attempted to turn various members of Los Angeles into giant, mindless monsters. Once defeated, he reverted back to his original, large-headed form. Remaining one of the Marvel Universe's most unique villains, and the subject of an upcoming Hulu animated series, the future is surely bright for one of comics' most recognized acronyms. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the history of MODOK. I had a lot of fun learning about this big-headed, stubby, appendaged villain, combing through some old comics and doing some online research. Brought a lot of information that I didn't really know about this interesting character. He's certainly one of the more unique Marvel villains, and I hope this episode has shown you why. Our next edition will be focusing on Thor character Jane Foster, 
played by Natalie Portman in the films, and who in the comics recently was Thor herself. She accepted the Thor role, had the hammer, new costume, was the central figure of the Thor comics for several years. And we're going to zero in on that as those storylines and that character itself will be a big focus in the Taika Waititi Thor film, Love and Thunder, which comes out eventually. Who knows right now with everything going on. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy past episodes, if you're looking forward to future episodes, please make sure to hit the subscribe button on the whatever version of podcasting apps or, or methods in which you're listening to this. We are on CastBox, iTunes, and Stitcher. Please make sure to subscribe. It'll help me out a lot in trying to build this new podcasting empire based around comic books that I'm trying to start. So I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you for listening. And I can't wait to see you next time. Have a wonderful day and a pleasant weekend.